Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Brave New Teaching, a podcast by two English teachers challenging the status quo. I am so excited to have you all here. Marie, we're going to tackle it. It is officially National Poetry Month, which is not the only month you should be teaching poetry, by the way. But it's a great um, foot in the door for this episode. And speaking of nerdy things, you guys are going to hear Amanda nerd out real hard about teaching poetry because she's phenomenal at it. Take it away. listening to Brave New Teaching, a podcast for educators challenging the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a high school English teacher in Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm also a high school English teacher in Southern California. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. If you guys listened to our earlier episodes, I talked a little bit about my journey in undergrad and a lot of that was wrapped up in creative writing and poetry. So this is kind of like my undergrad baby, almost like drama and theater were in part of your undergrad baby. Um, so this is this was one of my specialties was creative writing. My other was actually Spanish, which is a whole nother a whole nother episode. Um, but this is this is something very near and dear to my heart is poetry and 
even like the research around instructing poetry was something that I carried with me into my master's degree. And so I've got a lot to share. And the first piece of very official research I'd like to begin with is I did a very unofficial survey on Instagram not too long ago. And I asked teachers, why do you struggle with teaching poetry? I want to be clear. I assume people are struggling, which is why I phrased it that way. And you guys would be surprised. I asked a lot about, I said, I kind of gave multiple choice answers. And I said, was it time, resources? And then the option that actually won by a landslide was teaching poetry intimidates me and I'm super insecure about my ability to do it. Are you surprised? uh, No, I'm not surprised because uh, my answer was in between I lose time and uh, the one you were just saying, the imposter syndrome one. Like, I feel like if I don't teach poetry to like do each poet and each poem justice, that I'm somehow cheating my students and therefore I'm a fraud and I should not have my job anymore. I mean, it's a little extreme, but that's kind of like where I go. (laughs) Slippery slope. It is. It's a rough one, man. (laughs) Well, and that kind of lands us in the crisis we have right now, which is that a lot of teachers are just not doing it. We're just going to kind of like, no one's really requiring it. Um, Common Core and even I know in Illinois, we have some state standards apparently. Um, but as I've looked through those. I've looked through Common Core. There is nothing concrete anywhere other than a little bit in NCTE that's really pushing English teachers to actually make sure that it's part of the curriculum. It's very much, much a suggestion at this point, And that's problematic for not only us, but our students, because poetry guys, I want to, I want this episode to really be a, a how to build your poetry teacher confidence episode, because it's not as scary as we might envision the experience. And I think we can maybe break that down for you guys and make it a little bit more accessible. No, absolutely. And I mean, selfishly, this is kind of like a like a one-on-one workshop for me that all of our listeners listeners are getting to tune into. I don't find myself like I wouldn't say that I'm bad at teaching poetry. Like I think because like Shakespeare is one of my real strong suits. So like I can teach poetry and the meaning behind words. I just don't think about it. Like I forget sometimes about poetry, which I I mean, okay, you know, smite me where I stand. Like I get it. But also I feel so pressed to get to like nonfiction text because it's something that at least because I'm in California, the UCs and the CSUs are like teach nonfiction, teach nonfiction. You know, students need to be able to go to college and be able to read an article and get it. And I'm like, okay, cool. But then like, I, I forget also to add poetry into my units. And then it's an afterthought. I also don't have a very wide experience, not wide experience, but I don't have a very expansive um, poetry catalog in my brain. Um, And most of my poems go back to poems that are overdone, that they've already learned in middle school, and that are sonnets by William Shakespeare. So that's where this moment from somebody like you, Amanda, you've got such a passion for poetry, and you've got such a relatable way to make it real and tangible, not just for students, but for teachers, because I mean, we're the reason that like, I am the reason that my students have not been learning about poetry this year. Sorry, guys, I know you're all listening. All the teenagers in San Diego are listening. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't teach you better poetry. You can leave that on my Yelp review. <laughs> well, this is so okay. So my first, so if we're gonna go one through five, number one, 
is to embrace your own vulnerability alongside the kids. So Check. Marie, you yeah, <laughs> could not have set that up more perfectly because you guys like it's totally awesome that for once we feel about just as nervous as the kids do in tackling something new for our whole year school year goes by where we're the clear experts in the room and the kids are the ones who are new to everything. So poetry really offers us this amazing opportunity to be not at the same level because we're not, we're educated, you know, in our discipline, (laughs) but, but we're allowed to be equally vulnerable I think the vulnerability of teaching poetry is just about as extreme as the vulnerability of suggesting a thought about a poem that you just read for the first time. I mean, those are terrifying experiences and I think they become more terrifying. Like you said, Marie, the the more infrequent (laughs) that the experience is. Well, and part of the like, part of the thing that I start to shy away from also, even when I get really comfortable with a certain poem is that, okay, now I'm just feeding kids what this means. Like I'm not, I, I have totally. to, I have to step back and make sure that I'm allowing space for like that vulnerability piece. Like I'm allowing space for um, new thought to happen. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait to hear the rest of these. Okay. You guys, there are five it's- tips she's giving us right now. I happen to be <laughs> looking at the shared document and like, there's some really good stuff coming. So I'm going to stop interrupting you. No, but you're right. I mean, by not being the one feeding or the expert, you're creating a bond. And some of the poems I've done in my class before, like those are the things that we remember at the end of the year. So if you guys listened to last week's episode about visualizing a unit, I kind of went on a little mini rant about making sure that your units weren't only about the novel. Here's a perfect example of where that comes into play. When we get to the end of the school year, my kids really aren't like, oh my God, I'll never forget that scene from A Raisin in the Sun when blah, blah, blah. But they do remember when we looked at Dream Deferred. They were like, it was so gross that the pussy raisin was blah, blah, blah. You know, they they totally remember that. I know, sorry, that was pretty I gross. Made the, I made the grossest um, face that you guys can't <laughs> yeah. see, but Amanda can see because we're on Skype. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Poetry is bonding by nature, especially when you're attacking it together at the same level. So that's really one is just embrace that and talk to the kids about it and say, listen, this is new for me too. Like, let's tackle it together and let's see what we find out. So let's move on to number two. So these are connected. Number two, I would say, is to teach poems that you're in love with and that are in your comfort zone. Like, guys, don't if you're new to teaching poetry, I would not tackle something super abstract from Emily Dickinson. Like Dickinson, she's a nut job and I love her, but I've dedicated more random amounts of time to researching her life and her work than is like humanly acceptable. You don't need to go teach Dickinson. Like go find a poet or a poem and teach a couple that are things that speak to you. Um, Obscure 18th century poetry is not on, like I said, there's no standards really. True. (laughs) So really the only one. And like the one that I have started to pull in to go be like, okay, this is my excuse for forcing myself to teach poetry is the one I want to say it's reading literature for you're welcome about word meaning and like connotative and denotative. Is that that? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Because there yeah. is a standard about deriving meaning from words and their usage. Yeah, um, there's a language pretty standard. Pretty much mm-hmm. the only one. Was it language? And yeah, and I think you're right. Yeah, totally. Um, I have. I can in another episode talk to you about how we can totally teach characterization and theme and all kinds of other standards using poetry too. But that's another day. Um, I would say if you guys are using. Um, 
a novel unit of some sort and you're using an essential question, finding poems that are within the theme of that uh, unit is really easy and tactile, easy for you to find. Um, I love finding my poets. Uh, Poets.org has a really nicely organized search engine. You can search by genre, theme. You can search by poet, by year. Um, So poets.org is beautiful. Uh, You can search for poems on YouTube. Guys, there's so much on the YouTube. I do love the YouTube for a there lot of reasons. There's so much poetry. There's so much brilliant spoken word out there. And there's a lot of newer voices reading older poetry there too. And that's a really cool thing because you can always pull up the same poem by two different videos and see how it's treated two different ways. I mean, YouTube's really an amazing source. Um, I also love the hashtag on Twitter, um, even on Instagram if, of teach living poets. There's a lot of really cool recommendations that come out of that hashtag. So keep your social media eyes alive to find great new poems that are going to be easy for you. I think another good place to look, and that's this is where like the internet is such a like savior for people like me who are like I don't have very much experience with poetry, and then I get all intimidated and I like shy away from it, like I was saying before. Um, but like more and more like hashtags like teach living poets, or even just like finding those key teachers or artists or what have you that you want to follow on social media, they will show you what they're reading, and what they're reading is probably going to be something you're interested in and if it's something you're interested in it's going to be less intimidating to teach and to tackle and to like dive into with kids and just explore absolutely and so i'd say just to kind of wrap up number two one of my favorites to teach um is oranges by gary soto have you ever read it i did i i do like that poem yes i love (laughs) love that oranges well oranges is a great example because you guys if you don't even want to teach the poetic components of oranges you can teach the narrative ones just the story they're Yes, there are so many poems out there that just have story elements. You can look at the the, the developments of your characters, the conflict, things that those skills are in your comfort zone. So choose a poem that's in your comfort zone, no matter whether that's the topic, the skills, the century, or the, the theme, whatever you choose, just go in your comfort zone first. Yeah, like use that as your gateway poem, you know? Like a gateway totally, drug. totally. <laughs> gateway drugs are good. Okay, let's go to number three <laughs> for poetry. <laughs> let's let's go to number three, which which kind of steps us up a little bit more um, into the analysis side of things. So number three is advice I would actually give you for writing and reading as well. Um, but my advice is for number three: teach it often. And teach it the same way. So I think one of the things that we struggle with with poems is like, oh my gosh, every time I do a poem, it's a whole new experience. It's a whole new poem. How am I going to approach it? I don't know what to do. Well, if you do it the same way every time, it's a little bit more comfortable for both you and your students because you're looking for the same things. So when I was in high school, I remember using TPCast. Uh, I remember actually hating TPCast. I don't remember exactly why, <laughs> but I remember thinking, this is terrible. Poems are supposed to be whatever I want them to mean. And, you know, I was really, <laughs> I really believed in that. <laughs> hey, so so then, I, I'm trying to like, I can't remember. I remember looking for very vague, like, what figurative language do you see here? And I was like, all of it. I don't know. It's really figurative. <laughs> now what do I do? But, I- okay, so here, exactly. Herein lies the problem with teaching poetry. It's like, what do I do? Right. Um, so I went to grad school. Like I told you guys, I did that thing. And one of my focal points was, okay, I want to make a framework for teaching poetry that doesn't 
kill poetry, first of all, Mm -hmm. because poetry is not meant to exist only in English classrooms where it goes to die. Um, And I wanted something that was going to be teacher and student friendly. So I created this thing. It's called the Big Six. It's not really revolutionary, but um, I think the philosophy behind it is important. And so what I tell kids is like, okay, we're going to learn how to use the big six. And I have these six elements in a circle and I'll link it for you guys all in the show notes for sure. It's, it's a freebie. I, I have it for you guys. And, and the way that I tell kids about the big six is I say, listen, we're going to use these as ways to enter a conversation about a poem. Because a lot of times what happens is we look at a poem and we think, okay, what do we do now? What, how do yeah, we start like, this? Where do I even start? Yeah. Like, I, okay, I read it. Exactly. I know that there are words in, an, in, a, in a language that I understand and that's my full stop. Right. I mean, yeah, I'm speaking both it. as a kid right. and sometimes as like myself, like an like a experienced English language arts teacher. So I like that uh, what so you true. have is tools that can be used in different ways. Like what you're saying, teach it often and teach it the same way. Like use these tools on all these different texts so that you get really comfortable with like you're not going to use a hammer on the exact same nail every single time. Like use it on different nails. On different nails. The metaphors, guys, are it's, just. They are really rich. Those are extra. Those are those are free, actually. Yeah. Free extra you don't even have to pay for this that. episode. Nope. Nope, you do not. Um, so the big six is when you introduce it to kids, I, I I really want them to understand like this is not how you analyze a poem. This is how you start a conversation about poetry. And so my six items are one is the title, uh, two is the speaker, three is paraphrasing, because a lot can come from a paraphrase. Um, four, we look at the themes or big picture things that are being addressed. Five, we look at the figurative language, the tool. I, call, I just call it tools. Okay. Oh, like, like a writer's tools. Okay. Exactly. And just like if you, if you look at one or 20, whatever. And then the last item on my list, the sixth is called the turn. And that's like the more sophisticated one, I think, uh, of the six. And the turn is basically where does the poem shift or make a drastic change? And that's a fun one to teach because it's usually where something is happening in the poem. Um, and the kids usually have fun trying to find it like a little scavenger hunt. Okay. And, and that's a, that's a good one. So we can talk more about that later, but these are six ways that you can start talking. And so the lesson becomes very simple now, because once you've trained your kids on what these big six are, you present them a poem and I say, you're always going to read it twice first. So usually they'll either hear the poet read it on YouTube and then they'll read it out loud popcorn or um, they'll read it in pairs and then they'll hear me read it out loud or they're going to hear it twice. Then I say, okay, maybe for lesson one, um, I'll say, I want you guys to work in pairs and I want you guys to choose two elements of the big six to start your conversation. And then they talk in their pairs, la, 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 think pair share. And then we talk to the whole class. Hey, you guys, what did you talk about? Oh, cool. And then I annotate, you know, like little notes, what they say. Uh And another pair shares out. And then another pair shares out. And all of a sudden, my beautiful clean sheet of paper poem is this gorgeously annotated, which was the goal in the first place. Right. The work. Right. So they've kind of done it in in a deceivingly casual way. Well, they've crowdsourced their annotations. Ding, ding, ding. And they're practicing all of these different skills. So like you do this two, maybe three times as a big class, or once as a big class, once as a group of four, once as a pair, and then it's like, okay, and here's your poem 
you know, three days later to go home and you're going to do this yourself. Well, hopefully they're just learning to do it in a way that it's not this like threateningly intimidating totally. experience. Well, I hope you guys learned so much today. I just love talking about poetry with my teacher friends, and I'm so glad you could join us on the podcast today. Remember, being a brave new teacher is all about trying new things and being brave to do so, and that's what we're here to help you do. So don't forget to stay tuned. Next week, we'll be coming at you with the second half and our two other strategies that you can bring into your classroom right away and implement. And if you want to hear even more about poetry, I've got tons of over on my website. You can find me at www.mudandinkteaching.org. I'd also love to show you a preview or even get you a copy of my brand new ebook. Um, I just finished it and published it, guys, and it is hot off the presses. And I really am encouraging teachers to think about using it as they start planning their instruction for the upcoming school year and maybe just taking it with you over summer break to think about, okay, where does poetry belong in my curriculum? This is what I'm here to help you do. And it's what I've been doing for a really, really long time. My ebook, guys, you can find it on my TPT store. You can also find it in the links here on the show notes and on our blog if you want to take a look. I'd be happy to coach you through any questions that you have. Feel free to shoot me an email and we'll talk to you guys soon. See you next week.